Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 88, episode 4 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist! A production of iHeartRadio, this is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say officially off the top, hey, fuck Coke Industries and fuck Fox News, it's Thursday, June 27th, 2019. My name's Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. I won't deny it, I am Jack O'Brien, you don't wanna fuck with me. Got the pod hosting with Miles G, but they can't fuck with TDZ. Yeah, that is courtesy of Christy Yamaguchi, man. And I am thrilled to be joined by today's acting co-host, Mr. Nick Stump. He stump, he stump, he stump, he's in my head. Woo! That is courtesy of Jack Potatoes over <laughs> Stump, he stump, he's in my headphones. Uh... That's right. He's coming right at you, ladies and gentlemen. Nick, it's it's great to have you on this side of the glass. Thank you for having me. This is not what I expected you to look like, uh, but yeah, good nonetheless. And we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat uh, by another podcaster here who the two of us have worked with, uh, the very talented and hilarious Katie Golden. Yep, it's me. Yeah, good one. <laughs> How's it going, Katie? Pretty darn good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're the host of a, a show, Creature Feature, I'm told? That's right. That You've right? been on my show. Why are you acting okay, so sorry. coy? Uh, not coy. <laughs> I was just very drunk when I was I on. I see. But yeah. I like to liquor up my guests. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Get them, get them limber. Yeah, you can't talk those... about nature without, yeah. without a couple drinks in you, you know? Yeah. Well, Katie, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment, but first, we're going to tell our listeners a few of the things we're talking about, like that Kim Kardashian just trademarked the word kimono uh, for her new line of shapewear. We're going to talk about that. I don't see why anyone would have a problem with that, but we'll just check in with it just in case. Uh, Charmin has put out a forever roll of toilet paper, um, so that's good for all of us, I think. Uh, Trump just said he's glad John McCain is dead and he hopes he rots in hell. Uh, not in those words exactly. Uh, Mueller is going to testify. We're getting excited about that. Uh, we're going to check in with what the Republicans are thinking about the Democratic field. Uh, what some Republican strategists are thinking and then what one Mr. Tucker Carlson uh, thinks of one of the candidates. And just... Real quick, wanted to say that we are going to be covering last night's and tonight's Democratic debates on tomorrow's episode. So uh, if you tuned in for that, uh, turn it off. Uh, I don't want you to expect any sort of insight into anything political uh, from these two dummies. Sorry, guys. Uh, but first, Katie, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Probably... Um... Uh, Wolverine frog Harry question mark. Um, I know exactly what you're talking yes, about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did um, Google. Yeah, other other things like um, I, I'm a very curious person. Um, there's like uh, dog bladder stones, big pictures, mm. pictures of big ones. Uh, um, you just put in pictures of big ones yeah. into your Google. <laughs> um, well, that that auto filled for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> pictures of yeah, we know Katie. Pictures of big ones. Pictures of big ones. Um, uh, so wait, the hairy Wolverine frog is that the one that like breaks its bone through yes. its arm? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I actually just talked to Soren Bowie about that on the latest episode of Creature Feature, which you can Ooh. listen to. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you have the capacity to listen to that one, too. Yeah, you um, should. It's I'm not trying to be podcast. passive aggressive about it. I'm not being like, you know, like, hey, like if you can listen to this, I mean. You sound <laughs> a little frustrated. Couldn't you, just, <laughs> couldn't you just listen to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's about it's a frog who uh, will give itself compound fractures to use as wolverine claws. Uh, and they also have weird skin hairs. It's really cool. I won't say any more about it you'll just have to listen to that dang old podcast won't you mm. so i even if i asked you more questions no, about it you I would refuse. just refuse okay yeah. uh bold move what <laughs> is something you think is underrated so uh there's this thing that i've known about for quite a while called hydrocolloidal band-aids and they are great uh i love them for blisters for pimples uh they're just 
recently I've seen them being marketed as like these kind of frou-frou things on Amazon where it's like, oh, these incredible new like blemish stopping technology. And it's like, no, you can just go to CVS and get much cheaper ones there oh, okay. um, and big like bigger ones. And they're great. Like I get my, my feet are very um, sensitive to getting just awful horrible acne yes yeah no big old blisters and so um i just wanted the people to know that you don't have to spend a bunch of money on like luxury uh, hydrocolloidal band-aids they already exist in the store what do they look like what what would i looks like a box of band-aids but it says that they're hydrocolloidal on the box. They'll they'll, they'll be with like the other band-aids, but they do look, they're weird because <laughs> they're kind of gross. Cause like if you put it on some sort of weeping wound, they'll like absorb the uh, fluids like a sponge and then like you pull it off and it's just like. Excuse sponge. me. <laughs> <laughs> Nick is vomiting violently into a trash basket. Um, I don't know why. I, I think I just chose this one because I like saw some ad for like right. high, these things. It's like, no, those already exist. And I just don't listen. I'm doing my part. So yeah. that you don't go and like buy some kind of fancy high end beauty high-end, product right. that you could get for yes. $3 and a yeah. library card. <laughs> uh, am I right? Can Goodwill you, hunting. You Anyone get, else? All right. So it is it the little band aids for like corns and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They look. They and you can have put a, that on acne and it treats the acne. I mean, it really depends. I don't want to say it depends on your skin type. Uh, some people are sensitive to adhesive. I am certainly that kind of person, so I have to be careful using it for yeah. acne. But if you, you know, don't pick at your acne. But if like you have like a blemish. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> Nick, we're adults here. Yeah. We're adults with acne here. Yeah. What um, if my corns have acne? Then oh, yeah. Well, then, I mean, you got to lose the foot. Yeah. That's... Uh, there's no saving that foot. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just put them on, and it, what they do is they, they just, like, um, they help dry out the uh, blemish. So, uh, yeah, it's real nasty. Interesting. But, but cool. That's a, that's a good hack. Good old, life hacks with good old life hacks. But it's also good for like if you get like a like I've used them on paper cuts where it's really hard to kind of oh. you know just like getting a regular band aid when you put it on your hand it gets all wet and na- there's yeah, nothing yeah. there's no worse the smell feeling. of it too you know uh, the, the <laughs> just feeling, a smelly wound am I right guys <laughs> the feeling of a wet band aid on your finger after washing the dishes is maybe the worst thing yeah. that has ever happened to me it, wow. Things are good. And I've had a rough life. <laughs> Things are good. <laughs> uh, well, Katie, what is something you think is overrated? This was a lot easier for me to answer, which says a lot about me. But mm. uh, I have... You're such can an I internet just, troll. Can I just read you a list of choices that I uh, wrote down? And yeah, then you yeah. can select which one you want me yes, to talk please. about. I wrote down Thomas Friedman, Centrist's Horseshoe Theory, and then French Tuck. I, I don't know what the French tuck is, so uh, it's right. probably not worth knowing. So we're going to put that one out immediately. <laughs> horseshoe theory, I'm assuming, is some sort of strategy for playing the game of horseshoes. Yes. And so let's go with centrists. Why are yeah. centrists underrated? Pick a side, or guys. overrated. Pick a side. Come on. Nice. Come on. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> just like a no, I just, playground I, I'm tease. sort of irritated by, like, it's, it's specifically about the current dialogue in the country where it's like people want a sensible centrist candidate it's like no they absolutely don't have you seen the world right now have you seen like the current dare i say it the zeitgeist of Mm. the day yeah Mm. Um. (laughs) that's actually just an automated feature we have put in anytime somebody says i see you guys you guys have gotten a soundboard since i've been here dan i just said zeitgeist you have to if you're playing with the thing yeah thank you very slow motion uh yeah okay that that's what i thought uh about centrist but let me tell you about french tuck hang on yes french tuck what is it i learned about this on the new the the uh queer eye show which is great great show but and and they do the french tuck on this uh show and it, it looks really good it's like oh you can tuck your shirt in partially and it looks nice and fashionable and i like oh great they look so good i try it it always makes me look so dumb 
I cannot do it without looking like a total idiot who like got half dressed and like walked out the door. And what is my... a French tuck? What is? Oh, it? sorry. A French tuck is when you partially tuck in your shirt. Just the front. Just the part? front, and then you kind of like rakishly tuck it. Yeah, rakishly <laughs> tuck it in, and you kind of like half pull it out and just like let it drape around you. And somehow on the show they do it in a way it's like that looks great. If you try it at home, you will look. So fucking stupid. Wow. <laughs> Stylists love to do that, don't they? Yeah, they do. And somehow when they do it, it looks great. But yeah. then I do it on myself and it's just like I mm-hmm. look Yeah, it's like I I just care, look like it, I look like I was like <laughs> went to the bathroom and was wiping and then got my shirt stuck in my butt or something and like <laughs> went out of the bathroom and yeah. I was like Well, are you choosing that specific place <laughs> to tuck it in? <laughs> Partially tuck right in the back in the middle of the back. <laughs> And like violently, <laughs> so it looks like your shirt's like tugging. You just gotta force it in there. <laughs> um, all right, that's good to know. And horseshoe theory was that right? That it's a it's strategy about, yeah, for it's, horseshoes. It's, a, it's a measuring the wind speed velocity of which way your horseshoes are going. No, I've no, always said you got to take it to the horseshoe. <laughs> you know, you got you got to take it to your opponent. I'm no, always I'm a very offensive minded yes. horseshoe. This is Thomas Friedman who came up with this theory. No. No. Uh, no, these are all unrelated. I just, I hate a lot She's of things. She's mad about, mad don't about even get her started on Thomas Friedman. <laughs> Start the well, class. Thomas, problem, t- t- problem with Thomas Friedman is he uses mixed metaphors. Anyways. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a writer for the New York Times. Oh, I know he, he uses, is. He uses uh, mixed metaphors a lot. He like call, He's like saying, he was talking about something where you got on an airplane. He's like a, you know, we were like a, a herd of carnivores hunting for a scene it's like carnivores don't form herds you dingus <laughs> right yeah you can't mix your metaphors like that yeah i would have caught that too yeah um, wait no they never oh yeah i guess they don't right no because no that's pre- pred- yes, yeah predators aren't herds if you want if you, you could say a pride of lions but right you wouldn't say but they a herd just of hang lions. out yeah okay pack a yeah. pack a pack is a good term yeah. too but no thomas friedman uh i one of the first books i ever listened to on tape was uh the world is flat uh yeah I, and it is <laughs> he says the world is flat like every sentence yes. of that book he's like the reason the world is flat is it's yeah one of the most poorly written books i've ever I, I hate read to, i hate to put old freeman on blast here but like he is able to write the most words without actually saying anything of anyone I've ever seen. What are his qualifications? I don't know. I've always wondered that. I don't I don't know. Yeah. He, it, I mean, I think he must have the thing is it must be that he had some interesting articles, some interesting things to say early in his career and then they just kept wanting him to keep going, but he right. ran out of material, but they're yeah. like we need a new article and he I, strikes me as like the equivalent of like a tenured professor who yes. just like doesn't need to do shit. Right. He's he's the guy who wrote the opinion piece about MBS being like a cool dude who oh, he hung yeah, out with and he has that. like lots of like yeah. fresh ideas and he's like, Hey, yeah. don't take it from me, but this guy is cool. <laughs> yeah. Kids. He loves uh, he uh, loves talking you're about You're welcome, how, ladies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he loves talking about like he, he just has a constant boner for technological advancement where he's right. like, The world is now flat because of iPods and Twitter is gonna solve the Middle East. Right. And he was talking about like the zoomies over in India, this new generation of kids who zoom around and or zippies, I forget what he talked <laughs> He was like, guys, trust me, five years from now, you will be laughing that you didn't know what I was talking about when I said the zippies from India, okay? And it's like this book came out in 2004. It's like none of this shit caught on, man. He's the worst. He's one of the only, like, normally I would stop reading immediately, but this was like a cross-country trip my wife and I were on, and Mm. this was like back when you actually like had books on tape. And so like we had like the oh, who CD. It? I forget, but it was like eight CDs. And so we just like had to like grind through this terrible <laughs> book the whole way. Uh, and that was my ex-wife. We're not together anymore because of that experience. Oh, uh, no. What is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? Well, I actually just did this because I was researching an article. Um, but uh there's not really such a thing as hypoallergenic dogs. Um, there's mm. low shedding dogs. Um, and this is actually kind of news to me. I thought that hypo- hypoallergenic dogs actually would produce less dander, but I don't think that's actually the case. So dogs who are considered hypoallergenic just, 
either don't shed or shed less. I mean, all dogs shed to some extent, but like they shed less. And how that's supposed to help with allergies is that dander, which contains a protein, which is what people are actually allergic to. It's this protein produced in dog's skin. It's in their saliva. That will stick to the hair and then get around. Um, and that could potentially trigger allergies. But I read a study and they found that homes in which they had hypoallergenic dogs actually had the same amount of detectable allergens like uh. when they studied it. But they didn't say like, oh, that means that hypoallergenic dogs don't help. It just means that there's still the allergen around, but it's possible that the fur getting everywhere, like getting stuck to you could trigger your allergies. More. Right. So that, that may be why. Um, so I don't actually know. Um, like, it, I mean, yeah. feel, I feel like maybe it's help. Like if you have mild allergies, it's probably helpful. Right. Now you came in today, you're caked in dog fur. Yes. Uh, yeah. And no, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, but the, yeah, I mean, that, that totally makes sense to me. And I, I've only ever heard people talk about other dogs, like, theoretically. They're like, oh, is that dog hypoallergenic? Right. Like, I, I'm allergic to dogs. <laughs> um, I, I never believe people when they say they're allergic to stuff. I've just always yeah, just <laughs> call their someone's, bluff. Someone's That's got, like, saying. a nut allergy and their face <laughs> yeah, exactly. is purple. It's, it's uh-huh. Like, walk it off. Walk it off. Indeed. Let's talk about Kim Kardashian, you guys. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, she trademarked a few weeks ago the word kimono, uh, and she just revealed why. It's her new line of shapewear. She should have mm. trademarked the word shapewear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she, Nike's five steps ahead of her on that one, bud. Uh, First time hearing of it. <laughs> really? Yeah. I've never heard the word shapewear before. What do you wear underneath today? your clothes to make your figure look that good? Uh, Spanx. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Spanx, Spanx wear. Spanx is shapewear. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. But yeah. So I thought this... it was like Kleenex where you... <laughs> I think the problem most people are having with this is that she is spelling it exactly the same way that English people, that the word kimono is spelled in English. Uh, it's like a traditional, you know, Japanese form of clothing. We'll get Miles' mm-hmm. thoughts on this when he gets back, but for now, it's still fucked up, so we wanted to call it out. But yeah, so I mean, it's, you know, cultural appropriation in a really poorly thought through way. Well, in the worst way, right? Because uh, you're literally, it, it's like when other, like say, you know, it, it's, I, I certainly can't necessarily make a, a determination on this because I am, full disclosure, I'm white, but uh, I feel like, uh, you know, if you're, if you're going to culturally appropriate something, don't literally steal it so everybody else can't use that word. Right. Right. Yeah. Right? No, like most people under the age of 18 now are confused when they hear the word kimono because Kim Kardashian is a big deal. To people under 18. I'm hip. I'm up on the kids. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's generally she created a homophone overnight that is going to confuse people when it comes to that term. Now, because she's like trademark, does that mean like other people can't sell stuff called kimonos? Yeah. Now, I would, if I were her PR, uh, I would advise her not to start suing every Japanese person who (laughs) uses the word kimono. That would probably not be a good idea. But yeah, I mean, people are just, I don't, I don't think that's the concern that people won't be able to do it. I think it, the the best description I read of it was uh, somebody just saying it dilutes the culture a little bit. Right. Like it's not like a outright attack that is making people feel like active pain in the moment, uh, but it just kind of cheapens the culture and dilutes a word that is important to the culture. And it's just a a kind of thoughtless, shitty thing to do. Right. I mean, I think that there can be things like cultural appropriation and, and you know, racism where it's not like, it's it doesn't have to be an earth-shattering thing, but to still just feel crappy and to be bad, you know? Yeah. When people complain, they're not saying that, that she's literally committing a war crime. They're saying that she's doing something that's kind of shitty and not very respectful. But what else are you going to call it? I mean, what could you call it? <laughs> well, really? Well, well, Kimono. I mean, come right. on. Because <laughs> what else could you possibly call it? it oh, wait, it bears... it's a pun on her name. I just got that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're like, never mind. This oh, is totally fair, fair game. Uh, what a good pun. What a 
great joke. But yeah, wow. it's a, um, she definitely Ono's. noticed at Sorry. a young, oh, and then the uh, trending hashtag on Twitter was Kim, oh no. Uh, oh God, so that's so that me... good though. I mean, okay, yeah. I understand years and years of, uh, you know, like cultural sort of um, bias and, and the exotification of other cultures and that's all bad, but think of the puns, you yeah. guys, yeah. such a good, wow. She's so good. Picture of I just found. She's got her Kim Rose in too. Her Kim Rose. Yeah. What, are, what? What are those? Oh, corn Rose. Corn Rose. Oh, okay. Does she? <laughs> nice. What? <laughs> um, yeah, I saw some people uh, suggesting other ideas for what she should have called it, and they all made sense, but they weren't as good as kimono. Right. Uh, but. There's not a rule that says you have to put your name in the product or the brand you're creating. Uh, so. That's where you're wrong, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, but so it's shapewear, right? Yes. I, I don't think... So kimonos do have that sash, which is I'm I'm sort of assuming that's kind of what she's hinting at. You know, there's that yeah. the sash that goes around and kind of cinches in the waist, but that's not called a kimono. Right. That... Oh, it's not? No, the I mean, I just... one with the sash is not? Yeah, I just... Uh, well, no, no, the, the whole thing is called... Oh, got it. But, um, no, I'm pretty sure this is just her knowing that Japan is cool. Japanese right. culture is cool. Uh, very marketable. Yeah, very marketable <laughs> right now. So hot that was, right now. That was a joke, guys. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that her name is Kim. And mm-hmm. the word kimono has the her name in it. Like that's and yeah. kim, kimono equals clothes. And also yeah. maybe she knew that this was going to happen, and she's you know. Yeah, I mean, shit. She probably. I mean, haven't there been accusations of that in the past with those like, you know, when people do those ridiculous things, you can't believe they're doing it. You know, like some incredibly racist T-shirt and like a Target ad or something. And you're right. like, somebody must have just. This is like a super cynical play for just clicks and people to talk about it. Yeah. Because here we are talking about it. And I mean, you know, who would know that better than somebody whose career started with a sex tape? You yeah, know? I mean, it's exactly. It's like, oh no, my sex tape is out. <laughs> Whoopsies. Kimono. Yeah. Uh, Did I drop this sex tape right directly into the inbox of, uh, <laughs> of uh, the that, National of the Choir? Internet. <laughs> yeah, that's how the internet works, right? Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of better names. One of them would be Kim squeeze like Kim like like, like kimchi, but Kim squeeze. <laughs> Kim that's squeeze. Like, that's a good one, right? Kim yeah. squeeze. Yeah. yeah. No, it's great. It's actually. It's really a. Uh, I bet. I feel like the only like the way for her to dispel the notion that this was just a cynical way to get clicks would be for her to change it to Kim squeeze. Yeah. Or change it <laughs> or, to change it to something. It needs to be changed. Yeah. Um, also, kimono is. I I recently heard a business person be like, "Yeah, we had a real open your kimonos moment where we just <laughs> yeah, open, open the kimonos and what? like it's yeah, like it's nasty. All right, let's just uh, let's just all open our kimonos and show what put we're our working dicks on with. The table yeah, and... yeah, it's like what, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> it means like like being, I'm not hiding anything. Being open, yeah, like not hiding <sighs> anything. Could but you it's... not? I wish that they wouldn't have like th- that sort of. But how of, else are you going to describe? That? <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. What I would do is like, let's have a real like sort of uh, just open up the butt cheeks, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just spread, <laughs> spread it's your basically butt cheeks. The same. Spread, a real spread the cheeks moment. Show each other our assholes. Inner asshole. <laughs> real, real. <laughs> right up in there. Real pinch that bee hole moment. <laughs> uh, I like that way better. Yeah. <laughs> spread the cheeks moment. But uh, so kimono for me is already already has a douchey business kind of connotation to it, a uh, commotation to it. What? The kimotation? Kimotation. Oh, my God. Kimonotation. Uh, uh, right. We're going to take a quick break so uh, Katie can stop rolling on the ground laughing from my kimonotation. Uh, my sides. <laughs> uh, we'll be right back. And we're back, and yeah, I did. I did. Uh, probably the listeners were wondering that very same thing. Why? Like, where was the bomb drop after kimonotation? And yeah, it's probably the the button's probably stuck. Uh, Dan wouldn't confirm it, but we can all agree. Uh, let's talk about uh, the fact that Donald Trump yesterday. Uh, we talked on yesterday's show about how 
cultural executives, uh, media executives are worried that we're going through a Trump slump. And maybe Donald Trump is too, because he's uh, saying some wild shit. And he might have pulled a Samuel L. Jackson a time to kill in saying, I'm glad John McCain is dead and I hope he rots in hell. Because So he was speaking about uh, why he didn't kill Obamacare. Uh, and pass like his much totally better version. Uh, and he, he said, quote, we needed 60 votes and we had 51. And sometimes we had a hard time with a couple people. Fortunately, they're gone now. They've gone on to greener pastures or perhaps far less green, but they're gone. Very happy they're gone. Which would seem to be him saying that he is glad John McCain is dead. Mm-hmm. And greener pastures evoking like the afterlife and then far less green evoking hell and him being happy that he's in hell. I mean, maybe it's like he's saying though, the pastures are, uh, they're not green, but like they're eco-conscious because you can't waste water. So now they're sort of like desert scaped pastures. So they're more of a kind of taup and other drought mm -hmm. resistant kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Resistant pastures. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably what he meant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. But this is what he—he's—he's he's very entertaining uh, when he wants to be, uh, and just such a bad person and totally oblivious to what a bad person he is and unwilling to admit it. And well, you can this tone. I always think when you read quotes like this, you can picture his him doing this exact tone with like a like at a cocktail party where oh, he's yeah. wearing tuxedos and be yeah. like, let's talk. Yeah, I talked to Donald Trump like kind you of an asshole, it, but it was pretty funny. Right. Like we had this five minute conversation. And he's like a playground jerk off that's kind of funny to hang like see at a party. Yeah. And that's the tone of all this kind of stuff. And he's been doing it for fifty years and he's like, Why would yeah, I stop now? It's been going great. It's like the golden parachute mobster tone where it's like <laughs> right. you know, my daddy yeah. was a criminal. Right. Kind of tone of voice, like, Oh, maybe 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 you should uh he's like in greener pastures now, or or should I say Hotter pastures. Right. <laughs> right, right. And everybody laughs because you're a billionaire. And right, right, scary right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you're so funny. Please don't ruin my life. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was announced yesterday or two days ago uh, that Robert Mueller is going to testify publicly after there was question whether he would testify uh, even privately for in front of Congress. Now it uh, seems like he's going to testify uh, in a public session in front of Congress. And yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, during his press conference, he said he didn't want to testify and that his report is his testimony. And I think people are underplaying how important this could be to have him say what's in the report in front of a huge TV audience because he was like, my report is my testimony. So Right, but nobody reads. I think that's right. the, like the thing that seems to have been lost on him is that, A, nobody reads, right. and they're no. not going to read your 400-page report, right? and B, that... There, he seemed to have assumed that there was going to be similarly honorable people after him in the chain. Like all, He's like, right. all I have to do is set this up in the way that I know how. And the people, the similarly capable people will see it and be like, okay, this is obviously what you meant. This is obviously the roadmap to Congress. This is obviously what the intention of this is. This man is guilty of all sorts of things. Here, you, Here's the evidence. You guys take care of it. Yeah, but neither of those things are true. So now, in you know where we're at now, you just he needs to be on TV on camera saying, "Yes, if he was not president, I would have prosecuted him." Yes, you know. Yeah. If we have a video of him saying that, then suddenly it's a different kind of thing. Maybe, potentially, maybe I I've, I'm a little more cynical. I, I think that there's just not going to be really a pants down moment, a spread your cheeks Spre- moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not going to have a you have know open the kimonos. Right. <laughs> I, I I think that <laughs> there it goes. What? <laughs> um, All right, uh, great. It's working um, again. I, I just I, I don't I think it's kinda gonna be one of these things where it's like it's like a bunch of little paper cut kind of things where it's like, yeah, he did this thing that's like kinda, you know, not explicitly legal or like you know, just but I, I don't think there's gonna be a big reveal. I mean, obviously there's not because we do have access to the report, but there's not. I don't know if there's going to be something that really sort of shakes people to their core. It's like they, they it reveals anything about Trump. We don't already know that he's a, you know, he's a corrupt person. And I, I'm sort of I'm always frustrated with the whole uh, 
the whole Mueller report thing because I feel like if we had gone after him on like the emoluments violations, that is so much more, I guess, specific to his administration that are so much more flagrant and ridiculous uh, than they have been. There would have been potentially more of a pants down, balls out, butt cheek. But spread. streak spread moment. Yeah. Aren't they still going after the emolument stuff, though? In, I in don't different... know. They, they it's are, It's like yeah. working yeah. its way through some court. Right. But the, I think <laughs> that with the a lot of the focus being on the Russia stuff, which it, it doesn't seem like there's as... There's not as strong of a case. Uh, well, yeah, but that's, yeah, I think that's what Nancy Pelosi's whole point is. Like, we have much stronger cases in all these other lanes. So yeah. let's not hang our hat on this Mueller stuff because right. we're going to get brick walled in the Senate anyway. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think it should just be common practice that for any president, they get investigated on everything they do, and that we hold them to a very high standard, and that we should be looking into. Um, so I'm not, I'm not. I think that it's good to investigate, but I, I do think it's, I think there's just like desire. I think for there to be a moment where Mueller gets up there and says like, yeah, he he sucked Putin off, and right. we got the video of it. Well, got, the, there's just know. like things about it, though, that, that you are think left that's to... going to happen. Sorry, just real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to make sure you're going on the record saying you think that is what's going to happen that's at the Mueller. That's and that it's not going to be a big deal. That's almost a, exactly, exactly what you the said? opposite of what okay. I said. Okay. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. OK, uh, Nick, what were you saying? Oh, just that I think in the the problem with the Mueller report was just that it left certain things up to interpretation and spin from the both. Like, right. The way he put it, which is legally speaking, exactly how he had to put it, because he's hamstrung every which way by the regulations of the Justice Department. But right. the fact that he couldn't just say like things like, yes, if he so explicitly, if he was not a sitting president, any other person, same charges. Right. This is this is a list of crimes. Right. Like to come out and just bark that out. Right. That's what that's the reason for the t- and then it then allows tr- Trump and people with less imagination to be like, see, I'm not guilty. Right. Whereas if you have him on camera saying yes, if yes, he's not he president, crimes. he committed crimes. The only reason I did not right. do this is because I'm not allowed to by the rules of my personal job. I mean, I, maybe. The, I, I would certainly hope that people would find that alarming. Um, I think that one of the frustrating things with this report is there's this sort of like trickle truth. I think people were expecting a smoking gun of, uh, you know, Trump met with Russians to right. plot the overthrow of the U.S., which you know, I mean, the practice of like contacting foreign countries to dig up dirt. I, I think, I mean, like that's not, it's not that right. unheard of. Right. So it's like that's sort of a. It, yeah. It's and then so we get these kind of little this trickle of information about like oh you know the cover up was probably worse than anything they yeah. did and and that's very alarming. But we get just slowly fed little bits of information about it. And I, I don't think that's really... Yeah, it's not uh, you know, enough it, to bring him down. Really. It's not enough. And, and, you know, it's not... I, I'm, I think that I feel... I mean, I feel less concerned about that whole... the whole... that aspect of the investigation than I do about... I mean, the emoluments violations are so much more flagrant and unique to, as far as I know, to this president that it's like, I wish that... Because that, to me, would have been more of a, if we had, like, from the beginning gone, like, this is very bad, that would have been more of a smoking gun, more of a kind of shit on your dick moment. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. Big big time shit on the old dick. Uh, Yeah, I wonder how much of the, I, I don't know, like, I honestly don't know the answer to this, but the fact that it was Russia being the focus so much more than the emoluments, I wonder how much of that is... Just procedural things like, well, this court takes longer for uh, cases to get prosecuted, and how much of it was you had the entire, uh, you know, liberal media uh, establishment trying to explain how they got the election so wrong, and so there was this kind of uh, hope that there was like some sort of conspiracy. I think it's yeah. I think it's the latter mixed with a little bit of uh, red scare stuff because I mean you know obviously Russia's government is corrupt as are many many governments but I think that the enticement of you know it's uh, what was that movie Red Dawn like it's we get to live in Red Dawn and there's something so sexy about that for the media to go like 
like, hey, you know, remember like how like there was hours and hours of news coverage on what's her what's her name the the redheaded woman who Butina. yeah yeah where it's just like that's Matina. so it's a very alluring topic I mean I find it I find it also very like enticing like ooh you know sexy Russian spy right. um you know and and like sort of the um just it's such a strong meme or trope in our culture of this idea of like Russia getting in and screwing with the US I think right. that coupled with the fact that it made it such that Democrats didn't have to take any responsibility for right. um you know boning up <laughs> the election potentially right. I mean even say you assume they didn't and it's just like that their platform was not popular or not left wing or populist enough that's also a scary kind of realization so um, just to be clear you're saying that you think trump sucked off putin and that Mueller's going to say that in the first <laughs> sentence of his, that's the point that you're not yeah and, and i mean look if they want to <laughs> sorry if they want to suck each other off it's right. none of my business they're gonna open their kimonos <laughs> and uh it's a real uh open the i don't know i'm I, I have Russian ancestry, and I don't even know what the stereotypical uh, say no more. Means. There we are. And Beth got red hair. <laughs> wow. Do not pay too close attention. Do not pay close attention to Russia. It's yes. fine. It's fine. I mean, I, I am very much looking forward to his testimony, uh, not just because you think he's going to say that, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested now, uh, but because I, I just want to hear in planning, like, Everything with Mueller has been, well, because of my duty and because of this position, (laughs) I cannot say this. Nice. Uh, We just high-fived. But, you know, I'm just looking forward to him saying in plain English, like, what was there. You know, what, like, if there's anything. Because it does seem like there are some pretty damning things in the Mueller report. Like, when you, like, look at... The obstruction stuff. The obstruction stuff. And also, it's just like there's a lot of weird shit. When you said earlier, by the way, that uh, it's not that abnormal for candidates to go to foreign countries to look for dirt, who else has done that? I mean, I think the Clinton campaign contacted, was it uh, some kind of Ukrainian intelligence? Not not the government itself, but some kind of like thing. I'm... I'm probably going to get pounced on in DMs because I don't actually remember the specific uh, thing. But I think there was also a recent um, recent thing about how uh, Obama talked to Iran before he was elected about policy. So about um, we had that open the, mic moment where he was like, "Don't worry, after the election, we'll straighten it out." Right, right. Um, which you know, but that's different than taking actual like dirt on your opponent it's different but it's all i mean that is to me alarming uh you know to discuss although i would say that the iran deal was a good thing i I think that cooperation with iran is a much is you know in this in this specific case it's like not it's not something that i dislike but on principle I, i don't think you should be discussing foreign policy before you're elected i think that's a very you know right a problematic thing to do so I think that contacting, it's like, it's almost one of, one of the forms of corruption that it, I think seems to happen with enough frequency that it's like, well. Right. It's not that shocking that, that somebody yeah. might accept a little dirt from wherever they could get it. Right. And, right. But, but what is different about this one is that they were like at, a, at the highest state levels had a multifaceted campaign to mess with the election. It wasn't like, you know, and in trying to get a specific candidate elected. Although I think that that's pretty common too. Uh, it would be, what would be uncommon, and I haven't seen the smoking gun for this, would be if the Trump campaign worked with the Russian government in a sort of quid pro quo thing of like, if you influence the election in my favor, um, it, like explicitly made this agreement, like if you influence the election by going on Facebook and doing your dumb memes, like... <laughs> And in return, I'll do a good thing for you. That would be extremely bad and unusual. Well, and that goes back um, to your emoluments point. You got to right. know what his business interests are. Right. There's, a, you know, the Trump Tower, Moscow, and all that kind right. of stuff. Right. But know. I don't think there is. It's been more of a thing of like, yeah, I'll take dirt on. Like, you know, we would potentially want to take some dirt wherever you can get it, like you said. Um, but I don't think that there was. And I don't think they ended up um, actually, like, the, that meeting didn't really go through. 
Um, but uh, I, I think that the, you know, the Russia kind of like trying to influence ele- the elections with propaganda. I mean, like that, that's also a very common thing for Well, but in this one, they had the emails. Too. The whole like coordinated thing with hacking the DNC and releasing the emails in, on a, in a timed manner and Roger, like them teasing it and knowing when it was going to happen. And like so, all that stuff is pretty like. So now that it. was, um, what, who were those emails between? That was between. Uh, so John Podesta, like all those, they right. hacked the DNC. Well, John Podesta was Clinton's campaign manager, that right? Right, and they right. Also yeah, that's hacked who the they DNC? hacked. Okay. You're, right. you're saying who hacked well, those like, emails who, and then talked. To the Trump campaign, right? Because it wasn't wasn't somebody in Trump's inner orbit would be one of the arguments, but it, it was Roger Stone, right? It was Roger Stone. I think it was and- Roger Stone, and then the who was the who had contacted them from Russia? Because I don't think it was it was WikiLeaks. It was right? WikiLeaks, right? Yeah, there was that whole weird thing with it's a Guccifer is the however you pronounce that is the is the Russian Guccifer Guccifer <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably is that. No, yeah. I don't um, know. Huh. And they they actually did the hacking, and then they mm-hmm. released it through WikiLeaks somehow. Right. And, that, and they may have done that even to get around some of the legal stuff. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, like, I I would certainly I think that is concerning. I don't know if uh, there was like a so it was it was WikiLeaks working with Roger Stone, is what you're saying? Well, Roger Stone seemed to know about I all see. these things before that, and the whole campaign. I you see. know, there was just these little teases. They would do these teases and speeches. Of like, right, I got a right. feeling on Monday some right. pretty serious stuff is about. Um, to, so it sounds knew. like there are still some questions we have right, for right. Robert Mueller. And right, I so. think I think that those should for sure be investigated. Um, you a know, real I, open the kimonos moment and yeah. a real like real we've been saying. You know, open your kimonos and show them your behold moment. Yeah. Yes, spread them, spread them, Mueller. By um, we mean your butt cheeks. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break. And wait, wait, wait. We'll... More like fuller butt cheeks instead of molar. Get it? Uh-huh. Sorry. Okay. We're going to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> fuller. Robert, fuller butt cheeks. Right. And we're back, and it was an interesting clip that you brought to our attention, Nick, uh, of Tucker Carlson. Uh, Katie, here's... Oh, yeah. Duh. I made a joke uh, during the break. I said, Tucker Carlson, more like Tugger butt open. It's uh-huh. a good joke. Excuse me. I... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so Tucker Carlson opened his show. Uh, so he, he occasionally will do these monologues where you're like, wait, what show am I watching? Uh, is this the Tucker Carlson program that I tune into every night around this time? Uh, no, but there are these clips out there uh, where he says things like there was one monologue where he said America's ruling class are mercenaries. He concluded with a demand for America to become a fair country, a decent country, a cohesive country, a country whose leaders don't accelerate the forces of change purely for their own profit and amusement uh, and Basically, it was like an anti, he said, Republicans have considered it their duty to make the world safe for banking while simultaneously prosecuting ever more foreign wars, which seems like the sort of thing you would hear from uh, Bernie bro or, you know, somebody who is on the far left. But, you know, economic populism, like some of Trump's messaging during the 2016 campaign was you can be on the right and on the left and still be uh, economic populist. It's just Trump hasn't really followed through on that stuff in practice. So recently, uh, Tucker Carlson gave another one of these monologues that we're going to play a clip from where it's not what you would expect from him. What would the world look like now, two and a half years later? Well, for starters, Republicans in Congress would regularly be saying things like this, quote, I'm deeply grateful for the opportunities America has given me, but the giant American corporations who control our economy don't seem to feel the same way. They certainly don't act like it. We can navigate the changes ahead if we embrace economic patriotism and make American workers our highest priority, rather than continuing to cater to the interests of companies and people with no allegiance to America." End quote. Now, let's say you regularly vote Republican. Ask yourself, what part of the statement you just heard did you disagree with? Was there a single word that seemed wrong to you? Probably not. Here's the depressing part. 
Nobody you voted for said that or would ever say it. Republicans in Congress can't promise to protect American industries. They wouldn't dare to do that. It might violate some principle of Austrian economics. It might make the Koch brothers mad. It might alienate the libertarian ideologues who, to this day, fund most Republican campaigns. So, no, a Republican did not say that, sadly. Instead, the words you just heard are from, and brace yourself here, Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts. It's true. Bomb drop. Yeah, that is from Inside the Tucker Carlson Show. Uh, no, that, so, yeah, that's interesting to hear him kind of complimenting Elizabeth Warren. But, you know, Nick, you, you were pointing out that it's not necessarily a credit to him so much as just showing there are similarities between economic populism on the left and the right, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely, like, Bernie Sanders almost got the nomination on that platform and that and he I think the the enthusiasm that he inspired and the crowds that he drew were for similar reasons on on this front to the reasons that Donald Trump drew those crowds it's like it's an idea of disenfranchisement Donald Trump played to it in the shittiest possible way and the most racist possible way right but the disenfranchisement is the point it's like every the people are you know if you play that theme on the left if you play that theme more less less but in the racist way, but more in the like just economics way, like Bernie Sanders was doing, the haves and the haves. That's right. The yeah. bill, the, we're all being screwed, and we're being screwed by specifically the people who have stolen all the money and glommed it you all mean at the top. It's not by migrant children. It doesn't turn out to have been by migrant by migrant children. That does seem to be the key difference. That I was, I was like, man, maybe Tucker Carl. Oh wait, no, he thinks migrant children should be uh, put in cages. Right, yeah. And th- yeah. they're still in that weird, that like, who knows what what that's about. But but there is... <laughs> I think it's about not being able to view people who are different from you <laughs> yeah, as no, exactly. fully human. Right, yeah. There's just people who are just crazy. But there there is this, this overlap that's potentially encouraging for the left wing of the Democrats is really the point. It's like if you can, if you get to that message and you stay on that message, right. you will probably win. Yeah, and that was something we had an article where um, Republican strategists were talking about like what they thought of the Democratic candidates, and their take was all like it has nothing to do with policy. It's all about how authentic the person comes across, and I mean I think that is an important factor. But I really do think it does seem to me that like there is strength in the message that like you're getting screwed economically well, yeah. I mean, by like, the you have, structure. I mean, you have two candidates who, uh, if you if you make this argument that like, oh, I, identity politics is what's sort of like, well, you, so you have two candidates. You have Bernie Sanders and you have Joe Biden. They're both old white dudes. They're right. both kind of have, I don't know if you'd call it folksy charm, but some people might. Yeah. <laughs> I know oh, that's weasel yeah. words, but uh, I, I don't I don't necessarily see the folksy charm, but you know, um, You're Russian, so you wouldn't really <laughs> You wouldn't get it. <laughs> Russian folksy is more like... A folksy charm in Russia. It is, right. more, it is more not dying of, uh, <laughs> of vodka, you know. Oh, that's dying me. of vodka. I don't know. Uh, um, <laughs> I guess that is probably A few how. generations removed. Yeah. Um, but... Um, uh, well, uh, so it's, it's, you know, they're, they're similar in terms of... I guess like they're obviously their personalities are different, but they're both like, quote unquote, down to earth, old white dudes telling it how it is. But Bernie Sanders's platform is way different from Joe Biden's. Right. And so Bernie Sanders fans aren't necessarily like I wouldn't I, I suppose I haven't seen a poll on this, but I would take a educated guess that Bernie Sanders Fans aren't going to go like, oh, well, I guess I would vote for Biden in a pinch. Like, I don't think that there's well, that I don't much think, overlap. Yeah, I don't think Biden gets the tell it like it is credit, though. I think Biden is considered by like a Bernie standard Bernie supporter. Biden mm-hmm. is probably considered to be more of an establishment like politician. Oh, yeah. politician. I mean, Bernie Sanders yeah. is just seen to be like pure authenticity. Like, I'm just going to I've been right. saying the same thing for 50 years. I've always been a champion of this stuff. Proud yeah. socialist. Yeah. I mean, whatever. that's what seemed so bullshitty to me about their take, and this this just seems to be the standard. I think the standard political ana- analyst take is 
Like they they have these broad platitudes, but then like they applied it. Like one person was saying Buttigieg was the authentic one, and then another person was saying a different person was was the authentic one. And it's just, I think maybe at a certain point those people's political alchemy uh, ideas held water, but now like we're in a new world, and they're having to just use a like a single point of reference in the 2016 election. Like in the past, they could be like, well, you know, going back to the 70s, this has happened and that has happened. But they were all wrong about the 2016 well, right. election. Yeah, but- so they're having to just be like, well, in the 2016 election, it was about authenticity or because yeah. that's why Trump won. And uh, I mean, I think there's maybe a point to that. Like, the, you know, people who have been burned, like all of these people just got sort of piped by donald trump so they're like oh yeah bro <laughs> i mean you know so th- but that gives you the sort of the purest perspective potentially like there you do have to explain it somehow you yeah know? like the fact that he flipped obama voters famously and that he flipped you know some people were bernie voters who voted for trump and all it's like you have to figure out how to explain that in some way some overarching way right people say like oh it's just that everybody who voted for donald trump is a racist yeah that's one overarching theory Another is is this one that it's like has something to do with, you know, people have, feel a visceral. Basically, I think if I understand what the like the thread is that the, all these people are trying to get at, you need to engage with people on some visceral emotional level. Right. And I think that's a that's not a new idea in like politics that you have to like get to people. Like that's why Donald Trump can you know do whatever he wants and nobody he doesn't lose any supporters, including farmers that are being actively sort of financially screwed up by his trade fights they're like he's fighting for us he's fighting they think he's he's fighting for them but i also don't know if you can completely separate platform and policy from the visceral level i think they're actually no and and i don't think you're saying that but um like you know full disclosure as a bernie bro who's also clearly a russian agent but uh, (laughs) um but i mean i'm not i'm actually not like i'm not like a fanatic i don't you know (laughs) i don't have heroes right um but I, you know, for me, any emotional connection to a policymaker has to do with what there's like what platform they have. So if like Bernie came out tomorrow and was like, you know, it's great that we're keeping migrant children in cages, I would hate him because like right. that's a terrible thing to say. So it's it's connected to to policy now. So it's like if someone else, if some other candidate other than Bernie with a different personality is saying the same things he is or similar things like sort of like Elizabeth Warren, it's like I still feel the same kind of, you know, like, oh, OK, I, I like what she's saying or I like wh- whatever this person is saying, because I think that a lot of especially younger people are getting more cynical about like, well, just because someone at, you know, acts like your friend or something doesn't mean they're actually going to um, do that. And I think that instead of copying the Trump model, I think it's important to kind of learn from this. Like if you have someone who makes these big promises or says something, but they're really just kind of, you know, playing you to get elected, I think people are don't like that. They of don't, course. They don't they want don't that. Well, and that's why, that's what his weakness may turn out to be. And it may, in fact, be somebody like Warren who gets to be this, like, authenticity she may get to be that candidate. And, I, and, and like if you have Tucker yeah. Carlson saying like, listen to what she's saying, like she's on her way already, clearly, you know? Yeah, and I just, I don't, it's like, I almost don't, I don't, I feel, and maybe I'm just tired, but I don't care if a candidate is authentic. I don't even know what that means anymore. Like, I don't know, right. I don't know what. Uncalculated. I don't know what, well, I don't even know. Like, I don't know what elizabeth warren truly believes i don't know what bernie i mean you can kind of guess i mean bernie sanders seems to have had a pretty consistent platform so that's a that's a good sign but i think it's a lot to do with that frankly right i just don't it's like what are their intentions like i just don't care what their intentions i really care about them showing me what their policy is like if someone if a candidate says something like, well, I want to work towards, you know, more togetherness or something, it's like, that doesn't mean anything right. to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I want to work towards solutions. I don't know what that means. That right, doesn't right. mean anything. Right. You know, if you show me a specific platform, I mean, there's obviously always the chance that you don't follow, follow that platform. It. But I think but candidates... But we we'll know, right? Right. And I think candidates often will hint, like, if you, if you kind of go back and, like, litigate, you know... Hillary's campaign or even go back to Obama's campaign, sure, like there may have, you know, you can actually see things in their platform that, you know, maybe 
um, right now would be not at all agreeable to the more populist uh, point of view. So I think that voters just really want they want specific things in the platform that they can point to and say, like, look, I know someone who has diabetes and needs insulin. And like right. and if you're telling me that you will cover that with a health care plan, that means something to me. That's, a, yeah, that's yeah. an actual meaningful position. I don't know how you can get more specific than there's not a red America or blue America. There's the United <laughs> States of America. <laughs> I mean, you. that's that's a real bring our buttholes together <laughs> moment. Yeah. Done and dusted. Um, but I, to butt. <laughs> but yeah. to butt. I'm very cynical about Tucker Carlson, though, um, because I feel what <laughs> I think. You. I mean, maybe I shouldn't be, but I—I I mean, obviously, he's a lying weasel scumbag. It's not—it's not that. It's that I wonder, like, what whether it's like, oh, they see the writing on the wall and they see that this is this is the way to go now. They're hedging. Like, they're this gonna. Is, I don't think it's but, that. I think he was his main point that he was trying to make. He's trying to shame Republicans. He's yes. trying to say like, where are my Republicans on this issue? Is I what think he's, he's really trying, trying to. Say to with that I clip. think he knows that Fox News can lead politicians in their platforms right. and get get like it's a weird sort of uh, you know. Yeah, he saved us from war. Snake with the eating wrong the other its day. own butthole situation. Maybe <laughs> maybe Tucker Carlson's. Is he right president? about everything? <laughs> yeah, maybe he's yeah. president. That's the conclusion. That I mean, I he did save us from going to war with Iran. Yeah, that's. I don't even know if we talked about that, but uh, the president did. said that he was locked and loaded and ready to uh, <laughs> bomb Iran, and then Tucker Carlson told him basically. Did was he like, really through yes. the through the TV? Was like no, they talked on the phone. Apparently. Oh really? really? Yeah. Oh. He said That's that it insane. was going to make him lose a lot of popularity and and was, reminded that it reminded him that he ran on not <gasps> doing these crazy like right. interventionist wars it's like ah. so that's so sickening just that we're like you know, there, but by the grace of Tucker Carlson go we it's yeah, uh, yeah. I'm happier that. with that than not as sickening as if they well, had yeah, started a war with Iran. Yeah, yeah. any yeah. look, I will, you know, if if Tucker Carlson prevents a war with Iran, I don't know. Doesn't he deserve like a Nobel Peace Prize or something? Yeah. Hey, your I word's so. not mine. Yeah. He's a he's a. We're horror. just putting the questions <laughs> yes, out yes. there. You're you're the one who's saying right, that. Right, right, right. Uh, uh, well, we only have time for uh, one more, and that we have to get this story in, guys. Charmin has put out a uh, what they're calling a forever roll of toilet paper. Uh, it's impractically huge it looks like one of those giant wheels of cheese um but they came they claim it can last you a month of uh just near constant shitting uh and it's 12 (laughs) inches uh the equivalent of 24 toilet paper rolls and it's being hailed as uh the toilet paper roll for millennials because it cuts down on uh because we can't afford space you know we all we all live in a box and so, uh, you know, I, mean, we I can do, only... but by choice. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Uh, but it's basically the idea that what are the two things millennials hate? They don't have any space to live in and they hate leaving the house. This right. takes care of that. You have toilet paper roll that you can eat off of. It can be like your uh, well, I use, I use kitchen to- table. <laughs> I use toilet paper for every, like mil- what millennials do is like we like, we kill industries and we use toilet paper for literally every purpose. So like placemats, napkins, right. paper towels, engagement rings, engagement rings, yeah. um, casts if we break our <laughs> right. legs because we don't have health insurance. You just wrap your arm in toilet paper uh-huh. and dip it in the toilet yeah, and to pr- it hardens up. To dress up as mummies or to actually use in funerary <laughs> rituals because, yeah. again, we don't have any money. There you go. Um, but yeah, this is... Wait, uh, so what makes... So, I, I'm still not quite clear on the concept of what makes this toilet paper so special that millennials It's like. a lot of it. It's 24 rolls. It's, it's big. It's real big. But they're compact or? Nope. No, it's just they, it's like a cartoon they made the biggest size. toilet paper roll ever. But how is that supposed to help me with space? Uh, because think about how much space 24 rolls of toilet paper takes up. It's like a Got giant it. box. Visualizing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas 20... This is just a giant wheel. Yeah, it's just one wheel. Like a cheese wheel of... A cheese wheel Holy of toilet paper. Yeah. It looks exa- it's exactly the size of a wheel of Parmesan cheese. I see. Yeah. 
How's that? That's not going to fit in my little toilet dispenser, toilet roll dispenser. So well, that's, that is the other genius thing is that they're providing the toilet roll dispensers. That's how and they get you. They get you coming and going. It's like the, it's like the, the computer. Like here's our new Apple computer and here's the toilet roll. Stick. Right. Wait. Could you use that? It's actually that? on a subscription service. I see. So it's it pays for itself. The savings, uh, like six years in, you're you're printing basically yeah, printing toilet money. roll cloud <laughs> that you have to subscribe to. They yeah, that'd be really funny, like an automated toilet uh, paper dispenser. It has the toilet paper in there, but if your subscription runs out, it's just like, right. and then it knows at your moment of need, and it's like, Slam well, shut. suddenly the yeah. toilet paper is now uh, twenty dollars. Apply. Yeah, that's how they get you. Get man. you coming and going. To uh, the bathroom, get it? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Jack's never going to let me on this podcast yeah. again. I think I literally said, what the hell is wrong with you during our You did. Break. You did. There was I've real... never seen you that angry. I've guy. never seen him that angry either. Uh, well, Katie, wish I could say it's been great having you. Uh, no, it has, as always. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me on the street. No, don't do that, please. I'm on Twitter, uh, at Katie Golden, and I'm also a bird on Twitter, at ProBirdWrites, and I have a podcast called Creature Feature, which is uh, every Wednesday at the same places you can find this podcast. Um, what is it? It's a podcast on animal and human behavior, and, you know, we're not so different after all, and... Uh, sometimes uh, animal behavior is weirdly human and human behavior is weirdly animal and that's what we talk on and I have a comedian on and I explain disgusting evolutionary biology facts to them and they react appropriately. Um, Sometimes inappropriate. (laughs) Yeah. And then you can uh, follow the podcast at Creature Feet Pod on Twitter, F-E-A-T, uh, or on Instagram at Creature Feature Pod and online at Creature Feature or just CreatureFeaturePod.com. And is there a tweet you've been enjoying? Yeah, there is. <laughs> um, this is by Broaze, uh, who's got it. Broaze? Broaze. uh Name Esquividu. Uh, easier names to read, guys, please. Um, but he writes, uh, before memes, guys used to sit around in a circle and loudly quote Anchorman at each other for literal hours. That's true. That is true. That's what we used to do. Yeah. And, and now we have memes. Uh, for me, it was like, uh, it was uh, Austin Powers. Yeah, Simpsons for me. It yeah. was always, uh, <laughs> we had friends who said, me and my friend Chris were like, Simpsons, Seinfeld, Simpsons, Seinfeld. It was more him than me. But, right. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's. Do people not do that anymore? Or are they just like there's a? You, have you seen that one meme? Uh, yeah, I don't. I I think people just send each other memes now. Yeah, and don't talk. Yeah, and the only time they talk, it's to say my wife. Uh-huh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, uh, Nick, Jack. Hey, man, it's been hey, great man. having you. It's been uh, really fun being here. Do we say up top that you are uh, one of the producers of this show and usually the engineer, oftentimes the engineer? I uh, know that we did. Yeah. But I haven't been around in a minute, so credit where it's due to old Daniel Goodman. DJ Daniel Goodman uh, dropping the bombs. Uh, some For some reason it was stuck uh, at, a, at some point <laughs> earlier. But there. Uh, Nick, where can people find you? I don't do any of this stuff, I got to tell you. I just don't do it. Yeah, that's admirable. Oh, I think nice. you're the first person that we've ever had on the show who doesn't. Uh, <laughs> is there a tweet you enjoyed or no? Uh, I can't I can't say that there is. I think <laughs> I Neil Michael Haggerty. Follow Neil Michael Haggerty on Who's Twitter. Who's that? He's a singer. Okay. You like his songs or he's a good? Yeah, no, he's he's a uh, really good artist also, but his Twitter feed is good. Mm. All right. Well, I'm going to follow him right now. Uh, tweet I enjoyed. Mark McGark at Markedly tweeted me. How do I do my taxes? Public school. Shut the fuck up and square dance. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes where we link off to the information that we talked about. Footnotes! Nice. Uh, 
there an echo in here? Uh, we're going to go after the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Nick, do you want to give us a song? Or? Sure. I yeah. got one, actually. Woo! I got one Locked cocked and loaded. And loaded. Yeah. Is that what he said? He said cocked. Yes, for some reason. Because he can't do anything without making it just slightly worse. Problematic. Um song that I'd like to propose is by Kate LeBond, who's this great singer. Okay. And oh, I thought Anna was doing a theatrical yawn. It's like, oh, okay. Oh, Jesus. Um, Kate LeBond is Welsh. She's awesome. She's got a lot of good records. She's a new record called Reward, and this song is called Home to You. The whole record is good. This song is particularly a fave currently. How you spelling that, LeBond? Uh, L-E space B-O-N. Uh, all right, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, uh, Apple Podcast. I don't know. I guess that's where some people listen to podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for today. We will be back. Oh, yeah. I forgot to say that we're going to be covering uh, last night and tonight's uh, Democratic debates uh, in tomorrow's episode. So tune in for that. Uh, talk to you then. Bye.